Uh, folks, uh, we're living in a day where we're being pushed and influenced to turn to everything and everybody but God in terms of our trust. Past couple of years, we've been told, well, trust the governor, trust the CDC, trust the government, trust the court, trust this, trust that. And then um, oftentimes we'll try to put pressure on ourselves and trust ourselves when God wants you to trust him. Amen. Come on, say, God wants me to trust him. You're familiar with this scripture, and it's kind of like the foundation for the message, Proverbs uh, chapter 3, 5, and 6. This is from the English Standard Version. Trust in whom? The Lord. With how much of your heart? With all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. What a powerful verse. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of it. Don't reserve any space for your own flesh or other things to trust. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't depend on it. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make straight your paths. So it's clear that we're to trust him with everything inside of us. Trust means to rely upon, to depend upon. Trust simply means we put the full weight upon that particular thing to count on in our situation, in our circumstances. And how many of you know you can put the full weight of your life on God, and he can, he can hold you up? Uh, you can trust him. Say, I can trust him. I can depend on him. He doesn't let me down. The Lord's supposed to be the supreme object of our trust. Trusting God with everything we have, everything in us, everything we'll ever do. If we lean on our understanding, we're far short of the understanding that He provides. He is all-knowing, you are not. Turn to somebody and smile and say, I'm sorry, but you don't know it all. If we do that, then we're open to less than the full knowledge and we're open to deception. We're to desire, pursue, and receive His wisdom in every area of life and His promises to direct our path will be realized. He has promised to be there to guide us and direct us. Trusting the Lord habitually and consistently causes the release of supernatural and divine influence, knowledge, and power into our situation. I don't know about you, but I need His supernatural knowledge and power and influence. But that's not released when you trust you. There are lots of ways we do this practically as people because something about trusting somebody that we can't see or, or somebody that maybe we've been lied to about in terms of God's nature or character, it makes it hard. So who do we normally trust? Well, we trust man and natural things. And look at somebody and say, that includes you yourself. The Bible says in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots, and summon horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and horses, some trust in the military and the police and the government and their way of life, but we're called to remember the name of what? You're where you are right now because of the name of the Lord. You have the victories you have because of the Lord. You have what you have in life because of the Lord. Every good thing that's hit your life is because of trusting Him and not somebody else. Sooner or later, you're going to put the full weight of yourself on somebody else, on yourself, and it's going to fail, and things are going to fall apart. But you put your full weight on God, and everything is going to succeed and prosper in His hands. Psalm 118.8 says, It's better to trust the Lord than to have confidence in man. Proverbs 118.8 says, It's better to trust the Lord than to have confidence in man. But Proverbs 28.26 says, He who trusts in himself is a fool. Look at somebody and say, Don't be a fool. He that trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. 
The Bible spoke of Israel's propensity to turn to Egypt for help instead of to him. Trusting man is like Israel trusting in Egypt. It's like putting your full weight down on a sharpened stick. What's going to happen is you press down on that sharpened stick, it's going to go all the way through your hand. It will not hold you up. Here's what Isaiah said. He said, Woe to those who go up to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. How many believe He is available to help you? He is a very present help in what? In time of need. You don't need Egypt. You don't need the world. You have everything you need to be sustained in this life. He is all sufficient in the church. But you'd be amazed how many people struggle with this in the modern church. How many people during the past couple of years have said, well, it's going to get done. It's up to me. You start trusting yourself. All the fear mongering and all the false information and all the vilification, it all springs from man trying to trust somebody but God. And I don't like what I'm hearing about it coming around the world. I don't like when I hear athletes are dropping like flies in the performance of their, their races. I don't like seeing people that are 20, 21 years old getting sick out of the blue because of a piece of information they were given and because pressure was put on them. We need to make sure that if we've been trusting in anything but God, we need to repent and do it quickly. Amen. You live and breathe and have your being in Him. And if there's anything I think the Lord would say to this country and to the Western world, you got your eyes off of me and you put it on people that are as flaky as the sun. Amen. You have to make sure that you do what God wants you to do and live the way God wants you to live. Look, we, if we turn our trust off of him, we're doing the same thing that the Jews did with Egypt. And so he's calling out to you today. Look at somebody and say, he is calling. Say again, he is calling out to trust him. Well, I trust him with this, 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 and this, but I'm not going to trust him with this. Well, then you're not trusting him. If you don't trust him with all of your life, you don't trust him. Because the part you don't trust him in, that's where you're going to have the problems. Amen? What happens when we learn to trust him? The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he what? Trusts in you. You get perfect peace, mature peace, peace that works, peace that stays because you're trusting in him. Amen. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 again says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. What happens is you'll have straight paths and successful paths. How many of y'all like success? How many like victory? How many like things working out? We don't live in a bubble. Things come at us. But just because something comes at us, that doesn't mean we have to be defeated by that thing. Greater is he that is what? That is in us than he that is in the world. We have perfect peace, but we also have straight and successful paths. The Bible says in Psalm 32.10, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. We're surrounded with his mercy, with his love, with his favor, like a shield. A favor shield of his mercy because we trust in him. You want to get your shields back up? Trust him. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17 that we have the blessing. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Say it with me. Whose trust, whose trust is where? In the Lord. 
in the Lord. Psalm 9 and 10 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Proverbs 16, 20, Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts, what? In the Lord. You see a pattern here? We have perfect peace. We have straight and successful paths. We have a shield of mercy. We have the blessing. And the Bible says we have fearlessness as well. If you've been sucked into fear the past couple years, that is the primary evidence you slipped out of trusting God. Because you'll never spend a moment in fear if that moment is spent trusting your God. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know everything. All you have to do is make a quality decision that you're going to trust God with this situation. Aren't you glad you can do that? You can trust God with that job. Amen? You can trust God with that checkbook. You can trust God with your ministry. You can trust God with those kids. Hallelujah. You can trust Him. But if fear shows up in any area, it shows you that's the area that you're not trusting God. And just like a bunch of little lambs, the body of Christ the past couple of years just went along with everything under the, under the sun that was said. Every little piece of information, every little contradiction, when we should have been steadfast and movable, always abound in the things of God. And the reason we did is we got out of trust and into fear. Poke somebody and tell them, I'm getting back into trust. Amen. Amen. You can receive what you can from this world and what it knows, but your trust and confidence has to be in Almighty God. Turn to somebody and tell them, return to trust in Him. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. And God, I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Psalm 112, 7. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Say it, I trust him. him. Say it, I trust him. him. How many know the Lord sometimes will speak to us in in humorous ways? Catch us off guard. And I was uh, growing up, one of the things that... uh, Enjoyed doing with, with mom and other members of the family. We'd always go to the DeCoin State Fair in Illinois. I was raised in Southern Illinois. And around September, Labor Day, they'd always have this uh, you know, state fair there. And they'd always have a series of harness horse races. Uh, the harness racers are the ones with the little bitty you know, chariots or vehicles behind. A lot of these horses are bred and, uh, and trained in uh, places like Hanover Farms in New Jersey. And the original race was called the Hamiltonian, which eventually moved back to New Jersey. And so the Illinois governor started a new race called the, uh, the World Trotting Derby right there. And so I go there, and um, if you don't know this about me, I absolutely uh, love horses. They're magnificent animals, and I don't know what colors mine going to be when I come back with Jesus. Amen. But I'm, <laughs> come on, say it. I'm coming back. <laughs> and you better get used to them as well. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> you better get used to it. And, uh, you know, so we would go and, and uh, you know, I was not fully renewed in my mind about some of these things, but you place a little $2 bet on, on, a, on a horse in a race. And um, so I, uh, I got fixated on, on this horse named TV Yankee. Isn't that a great name? You know, the horse is TV Yankee. Hanover Farms, New Jersey. And so uh, there's about 11 horses in the field. And the Hamiltonian, like the World Trotting Derby, uh, the horse would have to win two heats in the event to actually go home the champion. So what would end up happening is over the course of the day, you'd end up with a heat of people that won, or horses that won their, their first you know, heat. 
And so I have all this confidence in the world, this, this horse had a European track record, I'm thinking this is it. This, I'm, in my vast amount of knowledge, I think, about 17 years old or whatever, 18 years old, I was going to pick this horse out of the blue. I thought everybody else was stupid. And so I, uh, I picked the horse, put the bet down to win, and uh, post time, opened the gate, the horses ran, the horse comes in seventh. So much for hearing from the Holy Ghost, amen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, undaunted, he comes up for another heat, do the same thing. He's going to win. He's going to win the whole thing. Not only is he going to win this, he's going to go back and win the second one as well. It's going to be great. He's going to win everything. Uh, $2 on TV Yankee to win. And um, he came in ninth out of ninth. <laughs> About that time, I'm thinking this might not be my career choice right here. This is probably where I, I don't need to get involved. And so, you know, so uh, another heat comes up with four or five horses that won a heat. And so this thing is going to decide the champion. And guess who's in that heat as well? He's going to be the spoiler. TV Yankee is going to spoil this whole thing. And so I get up there, and uh, this time I just didn't put my $2 down. I sucked my dad into believing in TV Yankee, and he put a $20 bill down on that horse to win. About that time, all bets are down. We look up at the screen, and it says, TV Yankee, scratch. And at that moment, I'm literally sitting there with a ticket in my hand. I'm sitting there literally with this ticket to win and this third hit. And the Lord says to my heart, he goes, you have more confidence and trust in that dumb horse than you do in me. <laughs> Ask me if I ever bet on another horse in my entire life. <laughs> you know what I learned? I learned to bet on God. Amen. To trust Him. Yes. Yes. Stupid faith in a four-legged creature. Amen. Amen. Who didn't even run the last race. Now I'm going to put my confidence in God. Amen. Amen. He's the one that's going to sustain you. Why can you trust God? Well, you sang about a lot of it uh, this morning. Why? First of all, we can trust God because He's a loving God. Don't ever minimize the Scripture, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through Him. Why will the Lord ultimately come through for you in tough times? Because... He is loving. That's who He is. Never forget the impact of that. Knowing God loves us means we no longer see the Lord ready to pounce on us or punish us, but shower us with His love. Turn to somebody and say, He loves you. Anybody ever hear that and say, I don't know why He loves me, but He does. This is why things like youth camp and kids ministry are so important. Where kids learn a simple phrase like, yes, Jesus loves me. Why? The Bible tells me so. And today when parents think everything else is important but these, these activities for kids, you're making a monumental mistake. And then years bear out what this pastor said to you. You'll say, well, you know, I, I didn't get him involved in the kids' ministry. I didn't get him involved in the youth ministry. I didn't get him involved in camp. I mean, you want to send your kid to a spirit-filled word camp. Not just pick something out of the sky as if this is okay. Because what's going to happen is there's going to be fruit from that or lack of fruit from that. And what you want to do is involve them every way you can. Expose them to everything the church has to offer. 
Because there's going to come a time when they have to make up their own mind to serve God or not. And if we send the signal to them that these things weren't that important and then be shocked because they don't choose the things of God when they leave home, we can't go around saying, I raised them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord unless I raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And thank you for those wonderful stares today. I appreciate that. Amen. Raise them up. Train them up. It's important that we understand this. And they learn things like he is a loving God. He's not trying to hold people back or hurt people. He's trying to help people have their best life now and an eternal life with him forever on the other side. Number two, you can trust God because he's a good God. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus with of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and strength and power. And how he went around doing good. Amen. He went around doing what? He went around doing good, particularly carrying all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. The Lord is fundamentally good. When you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus is fundamentally good. The Father is fundamentally what? Good. Say, He is good. How often is He good to you? All the time. Psalm 119.68, you are good and what you do is good. Psalm 31.19, how great is your goodness which you have stored for, up for those who fear you. If you think God is bad, if you think he is flaky, sometimes good and sometimes horrible, you won't have the confidence to trust him in the hard place. But I can tell you that he is always loving and kind to his people and he's always good to you. And uh, I don't know, uh, maybe you had this impression, but you know, you can come to this church for, for a couple months of Sundays and just listen to the exhortations from people like Todd, and Rodney, Wilma, and others, and your whole life will be blessed and turned around. Yes. The reality is, think about this, everything you have is the mark of the goodness of God. And I think it's not only the human condition, I think it's the Western mindset that we look at everything we don't have. Well, if God were good, then we'd have all this. How about stop and think about all that you do have? Amen. Come on, say, I thank God for all the goodness in my life. Number three, you can trust God because he's a just God. The Bible says this in Isaiah 32, the justice will dwell, verse 16 through 18, in the wilderness and righteousness will abide in the fruitful field and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness will be quietness and confidence and trust forever. My people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and safe dwellings and in quiet resting places. Why? Because our God is just. The Bible tells us in Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. In Luke chapter 18, the Bible tells us about the story of a, of a judge who just wouldn't seem to be just. And, and basically, if, if through wearing out, he would finally respond because of the person's importunity, they would respond. They would give them, basically, just like the man asking for bread, if they would respond because of my efforts and because I won't give up, that's an unjust judge. How much more good will your God do Amen. for his people? Amen. What does he say? And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Come on, shout it out. I'm a chosen one. Chosen. Say, I am a chosen one. Chosen. Do you realize that today? Yes. You are a chosen one. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? 
Will he keep putting them off? I tell you that he will see that they get justice and quickly. The problem is the Western mindset right now, European mindset has said that what we should focus on is social justice. If you focus on social justice, the people you're trying to help will never get it. It is spiritual justice that you want. You want to have the Lord in your life and then have him active in your life to produce the justice of God in every area of your life. People espousing this are lying to people. Telling them this should be the focus of your life. This is what you should be doing. Listen, I'll tell you that, that if you shoot for anything less than spiritual justice through Jesus Christ, you will be living in an inferior way all the days of your life. Why? Because man can't give you what God gives you. And when do you stop with man's plans? Man's inhumanity to man is thousands of years old. It didn't start in this country. Man has perfected his abuse of mankind long before this nation existed. That's why there's only one solution for this. How far back do you go? Do we backbill Egypt for what they did to the Jews? Do we backbill the Romans and the Italians for what they did to those in the Isles of England? At what point do you say we need Jesus and his justice? Because yes. man's justice will always be selective and political and socially driven and never right and never executed in a fair way. As you turn your life over to the Lord, he will see that you get justice. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, shout it out. He will see he will that see. I get justice. I get Perhaps the most compelling reason we can trust God is his conduct towards his people is based on nothing less than the blood of Jesus itself. Why would he be loving? Why would he be good to me? Why would he give me justice? Because of the blood of Jesus. We think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm covered in the blood. I'm going to heaven one day. No, you are covered not just in heaven. You're covered here right now. Yes, you are. First Peter 1 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish or defect. You know what it is? There's a reason why we can expect the love and the mercy and the goodness and the justice of God, it is a matter of spiritual justice because of the blood. Say it with me. The blood has been shed. Raise your hand if you've accepted it. If you've accepted it, then you can expect spiritual justice. In other words, today it's just for you to be forgiven. It's right. It's just for you to be delivered if you're in bondage. It's just for you to be healed if you're sick. It is just for you to be preserved if you're threatened. It's just for you to be favored if somehow you're left out. It's just for you to be blessed if you felt like all the days of your life you were cursed. You say, well, that's just the way it is with our family. You know, as long as I can remember, our family, nothing's ever worked out. Going far back, things have always happened that have, you know, been adverse towards us. And we've always playing second fiddle on the right, wrong side of the tracks. Can I tell you something? All it takes is one man or woman of God to find out who they are in Christ. 
and turn that whole situation around. Just one. Amen. I think about uh, Joel talking about his dad, John Osteen, who's a hero of the faith of mine, and, you know, raised up through the Depression. The things they saw, you know, hardworking people, godly people, you know, wanted to do the right thing, but always coming up short. And he would talk about how in those days he would have holes in his shoes and he'd have, you know, holes in his pants and had nothing to speak of. He'd long for his mom to come in and pour a glass of milk in the morning, but she'd only pour it up about one-third of one-half filled and the things they didn't have, the curse that operated, the lack that was there. Then one day, I think it was 17 years old, he gave his life to the Lord. As he talks about it, he was a high school dropout selling popcorn at the ISIS theater without God and undone, but he gave his life to Christ. Are you here today? He started Lakewood Church in a feed store off of Dockwell Road. Grew to 8, 5, 10,000 before he passed on and went to be with the Lord. His son took the ministry and the naysayers said, well, you know, this will fall apart because John Osteen is not there. It fell apart. It only runs about 50,000 now. Um, what happened? I can tell you this, one man stood in the middle and said, no, we're not going to be cursed another day of our lives. Our family is going to be blessed in Jesus' name. And that entire family downline is blessed and those that have been a part of that is blessed. And you may not realize this, you're blessed because I'm technically spiritually a product of that ministry. How far does that blessing go? Amen. So when you hear somebody put their mouth on a man of God or a ministry, be careful. They probably don't know what they're talking about. Amen. Styles change, methods change, but the word is the same. All it takes is one person with a revelation and can change their entire family line for eternity. Come on, say it, I'm that person. Say it, I'm going to trust God. Not the flesh, not self, not the government, not this person, not that person. I'm going to trust God with my life. You say, well, I, I need some understanding as to how, how we do that. Well, you can demonstrate trust for God in just several practical ways every single day of your life. If these are missing, then it tells you that you have a problem trusting Him. Why wouldn't you trust the one who spoke the world into existence? Yeah. Huh? Why wouldn't you trust the one that sent His only begotten Son to die for you? Why wouldn't you trust the one that raised that Son from the dead? Why wouldn't you raise, why wouldn't you trust the one that time and time again, when you don't know how he's going to do it, he comes through over and over again. He's telling us, he's calling us to put the full weight of our confidence on him in these days. Can I tell you something? Roe v. Wade is just the beginning. God is about to unleash his spirit on this nation in a way it has never seen before. They will not call us post-Christian for very long. And I see them hold these signs in protest. You know, you know, America's not a Christian nation, real belligerently. You know, that's fine. We're not a Jewish nation. We're not a Christian nation. We're not of this nation, whatever. But you know what? I come to the conclusion, and they need to as well, I don't even have to be a Christian to know it's barbaric to rip a baby out of a womb. Right. Let me ask you this. Are you human? Forget about a Christian. Are you a human being? Yes. And if you are, you wouldn't be able to stomach that. 
That's right, I said it. We got a bunch of aliens running around this world. They can't possibly be from this, this world. Amen. But he's not done. He is blowing through every state house, every courthouse, every schoolhouse, every house of worship. He won't come without an invitation, but can I tell you something? He's been given with an invitation. By people just like you all over the land. They're saying, come Lord Jesus. They're saying, come Holy Spirit. And he has established a set time. Can I tell you something? This, this decision, in technically a year of Jubilee, this decision is a marker on God's calendar. That our redemption is closer than when we first believed. That what we do, we need to do quickly. This isn't a marker for Jesus' you know, delay coming. This is telling us he's about to come. And we need his outpouring now. We need the move of the Holy Ghost now. We need to trust him like we never have before. Amen. 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 And become impervious to people who contradict the word of God. I like what Dr. Tony Evans said about that. Some people read the Bible and go, I just don't believe or accept or hold to the Word of God because it, it contradicts itself. Dr. Evans said, no, it contradicts you, and that's why you reject it. Amen. Isn't that the truth? So number one, how to demonstrate trust in God daily. Seeking. Seeking. If you trust Him, you're really going to seek Him. If you trust him, you're going to pray. If you seek him, you're going to crack open that Bible. If you really trust him, you're going to pursue a relationship with him. If you don't trust him, you say, what's the point? Why would I want to read? Why would I want to pray? Why would I want to be involved in the things of God? You know, I'd, I put my confidence elsewhere. When you really trust him, you want to get to know him. And the more you know him, the more you're going to trust him. Amen. Say it with me. I seek him daily. Bible says if you seek him early, you'll what? You'll find him. Amen. Number two, serving. If you trust him, serve without pausing. There's no retirement in the body of Christ. Everybody say this out loud. I retire from ministry and service on the earth the day I die. Well, I, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. I got all these responsibilities. I don't have time to be a servant in the house of, of the Lord. All that means is you don't trust him. Everybody ought to be doing something. Amen. And we want to call it a time issue. We want to call it a convenience issue. Some people have this warped idea that I paid my dues. You didn't pay your dues. You could serve on this earth as long as Methuselah and you still wouldn't have paid your dues for what he's done for you. I don't know who put you up on a shelf, but it wasn't God. There ain't no such thing as a Holy Ghost shelf. So crawl off your shelf, amen, shake the dust off, and re-engage. Because what happens is if we're not serving, it's proof we're not trusting. But you want to daily trust Him, you do so because you serve. Everybody can do something. Amen. Versus the few people doing everything. Can I have a better amen than that? 
You're going to seek him daily. You are going to serve. Right now, from children's ministry to ushers and greeters to nursery to youth, every single area of the ministry is in need of people to come off the shelf. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, have the mini- I have the ministry and the anointing of pluck. I have no problem coming by the shelf and plucking you off the shelf. <laughs> but I'd prefer that you just got off the shelf voluntarily. Amen? And you showed some initiative. Well, you know, I, I, I would do something if I'm ever asked. Uh, really? Now, how about I trust God, so I'm going to serve. I trust God, so I'm going to serve. I trust God that I'm going to have time to do everything else I need to do. And you know, it's a funny thing. When you serve God, you have more time, not less time. Martin Luther said, unless I pray four hours a day, I can't get a thing done. <laughs> Does that even make any sense? It does when you realize God adds his super to your natural. Say it with me. I'm a servant. Everybody can do something in the kingdom of God. Number three is standing. Referring to the promises of God. When we're standing, we're trusting him. When we're wavering, we're not trusting him. Well, I believe God, but it looks like it's not going to happen. No, you stand. Have you done all to stand? Stand. Turn to somebody and tell them, stand is my new middle name. How long do I have to stand? Stand until you see the manifestation. Why? Because you trust him. What does that mean? He's not a liar. God is not a man that he should what? If he said something, he's going to do it. Now, we learn in this church that lots of times we we want to tell God when to do it and how he's going to do it. And he's under an obligation to do it when you want or how you want. Your job is to what? Stand on the what? Stand on what you do know the word says or the promise says. Number four, staying. That means staying in his will. Living the life he's called you to live. Being where you're supposed to be. Doing what you're supposed to do. When you got born again, somebody should have told you that at that moment you died. Let me try that one more time. When you got born again, you died. You know what that tank, when it's full and used, what it represents? It means you as a believer identifying with the Lord, his, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And when you go under the water, that is what? That is symbolic of you going underground. That's symbolic of you, what? Coming up a different person. Amen. And when you come up, what needs to be is a person who is committed to the will of God, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He should be CEO. He should be manager. He should be the one calling shots. Not your little ideas, not your concepts, not your dreams, not what you want, but what he wants. People have this idea in the word of God and throughout contemporary Christianity that that God just wants me to be happy. God just wants me to do what I want to do. No, God just wants you to do what he tells you to do. For it's no longer what you that live, but Christ that lives through you. The Lordship teaching is the, the weakness in the discipleship of the American church. We do what we want to do, as long as we want to do, go where we want to go, live where we want to live, do whatever we want to do, and then call ourselves Christians. Yes, claim Him as Savior, 
but also make sure he is the Lord. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Don't want to go to Nineveh. Going to go to Tarshish. Had a storm, got swallowed, got tangled up in seaweed, got vomited onto the uh, beach. Dr. Barkley says that whale was not judgment, it was transportation <laughs> back into the will of God. Jonah would go to Nineveh. Okay, I will. Can't you just see this? Jonah with a great smile on his face, like a Joel Osteen smile. 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Lord bless you. Half-hearted proclaiming the word and the entire nation, city-state repents. And then he gets mad. Yes. Amen. How do you know that boy got some problems? <laughs> Jonah needs some counseling. <laughs> if 120,000 people and animals and all get saved, get right with God, are protected and delivered, how do you know that's cause to rejoice? Yes. He didn't rejoice at all. <coughs> Sat down in depression. I want to do what I want to do. You know, your greatest joy and victory is not in doing what you want to do. It's finding out what God has for you and doing it with all of your heart. Trusting God is seeking Him daily. Trusting God is serving somewhere in the body of Christ. Trusting God is standing on the promises and not wavering no matter what you see, hear, or feel. And trusting God is staying in His will and repenting if you're out of it. Amen. If you're trusting God, you're trusting that His will is best for you. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives through me. Say it like Paul. I die daily. Amen. A dead man doesn't have all these brothers. They just simply go where they're told. Amen. And we need that right now in the body of Christ. I said we need that right now, the body of Christ. Returning to a place of absolute trust in Him. Seeking Him. Serving. Standing. And staying in His will. Say, well, Pastor, tell me what does He want for my life? That's not my department. My department is telling you to seek His will. And stay in His will. His department is to provide the will. Amen. God just wants me to be happy. Happy. And if I do that, I won't be happy. Some of you have tried hard to get out of Murray. I'll just be happy if I get out of Murray. You'll, be, you'll still be your miserable self wherever you go. Until you deal with the will of God. Amen. You want to be happy, make sure you're in His will. Hello. Praise God. Say, I'm going to seek Him daily. I'm going to serve Him without pausing. I'm going to stand on the promises. I'm going to stay in His will. Say, I'm coming off the shelf and back in the game. Number five, sowing. Perhaps nothing demonstrates your confidence and trust in God more than what you do with what you consider to be precious to you. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Uh, when you are trusting God, 
you're not allergic to the offering bucket. Amen. And some Christians break out in hives when they see it. <laughs> Here it comes. Here it comes. Don't let it bite me. Here it comes. Here it comes. You know what you ought to see when you see a bucket coming? Oh, bring that opportunity for prosperity my way. Just bring that bucket over here, bless God. I'm trusting God. I know that if I trust God, I trust his word, I know what he's going to do. I'm not going to look at the clouds or the weather to determine whether I sow, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Amen. I know that, that God you know, cannot be mocked. For so long we looked at that scripture, we saw it in the negative. God's going to get you for that. You do that, God's going to get you for that. You're going to reap that. And instead of looking at it as a positive, if I do what God says, I'm going to reap a blessing off of that. Amen? And you'd be amazed the number of Christians who walk around saying, well, don't take all that. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to give. I heard some preacher, so and so and so and so. He said that was under the old covenant. No, Abraham's tithing to the Lord predates the coming of the law by almost 400 years. What does that tell you? It tells you that people want to trust God with everything but their money. And I'm not here to offend. Well, maybe sometime. <laughs> I'm not here to offend. But the truth of the matter is, if you're not trusting him with your finances, you're not trusting him. And furthermore, the time we're in right now, you need to make sure you're demonstrating trust towards him. Amen. Because if you are, then you don't have to pay attention to all the naysayers out there. Amen. Well, you know, Brother Art, there's going to be a worldwide food shortage. Worldwide. Worldwide. Not for the child of God. Why could you say something like that? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or as what? Seed begging for bread. Now you will see the non-Christian nations, the socialist nations and the African continent affected because it's always the innocents that are hurt by stupid policies. You pay, pay more for what you get. But you shouldn't be going down that road mentally. What you should say is, you know what? Bless God. Thank you, Lord, for this job. Thank you for this paycheck. First thing I'm going to do is honor you with it because I trust in you. You know, when that buck comes by and you put something in or you do something electronically, you're saying, I trust God. But if I do this, Pastor, I, I, I'm not sure I'll be able to make ends meet. Where, who are you depending on? You to make ends meet? Or are you depending on God to take care of everything? Amen. Amen. It's time for some to, to cross over that bridge. To make a quality decision for which there's no return. You are not going to honor God with your soul and, and he's going to let you down. If he has to do something supernatural to take care of you, guess what? He will do it. Amen. Amen. And he'll use crazy people at times to do it. Amen. You know, Roberts wanted to pay for medical school students to leave the medical school and go to Kenyan around the world with no medical debt. And, of course, they've had a lot of it. And he was believing God for about $8 million to pay off all that debt, which is a wonderful thing to believe God for. And uh, 
The man who owns the horse track. Everybody say horse track. <laughs> Apparently he did better than I did with horses. <laughs> Wrote a check. Wrote a check. I wouldn't take that filthy lucre. It's only filthy if you're filthy. Once it gets in your hand, it's blessed. It's in the kingdom of God. And he did. Now, if you're one of those medical students who had your medical debt paid off, amen, you won't go around saying filthy lucre paid this off. You know what you say? God used a donkey in Florida to pay off our medical debt. Praise the Lord. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He did it in Egypt so long ago. Amen. Here's what you're going to do. Tell you what you're going to do. We're about to leave. And you go to the home of all your masters and you say to them, give me your gold and give me your silver. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And guess what the Egyptians did? They gave it to them. And trusting God, they left Egypt, the Bible says, heavy laden with silver and gold. And none of them faltered on the trip. That's what happens when you trust God. See, I don't see it as a disservice by teaching the church of Jesus Christ how important it is to be a sower and a giver. I see it as a disservice and a dereliction of duty and spiritual and ministerial malpractice not to teach people the truth. Because right. you're holding them back. Amen. Amen. You're holding them back. Okay, you, you were telling me this article that uh, you read this week and there's a Jewish fellow who was in business, I guess, with family and then struck out on his own. And the, the rabbi came to see him and said, uh, well, you gave, you gave X amount last year. And, of course, this may be their practice. And he comes by and says, now, what are you going to commit to give this year? And I want to challenge you to give more than you've ever given before. And uh, he said that, uh, you know, it sounded kind of strange to him, but he just, he just honored what, uh, what the rabbi had told him. And even though he struck out on his own that particular year, God supernaturally raised him up. And I think he said that year they gave, what, 100 and something? A hundred thousand uh, dollars to the to uh, to the synagogue to the temple, and and that year God had increased him to uh, to five hundred thousand dollars in income, and he was telling everybody basically, you know, that he was communicating with them that you need to do what God's telling you to do because He's going to pay you back. He is going to increase you if you do this. The carnal Western Christian says. I don't need to pay attention to this stuff. I don't need to do this stuff. That stuff's under the old, t old covenant, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're disadvantaged not being raised in a Jewish home. You know why? Because they told them, you will honor the commandments of God. You will. You will work hard. You will tithe. And they teach them this. You will prosper. In the Western Sunday school Christian mindset, well, you never know. Some people will. Some people won't. I want to encourage you. You want, to, you want to show God you're trusting Him? Seek Him what? Daily. The day you don't seek Him is the day you don't trust Him. Absolutely serve Him without pausing. Turn to somebody and tell Him, get off the shelf. Come on, tell Him, get off the shelf. Stand on the promises no matter what you see. Stay in His will. If you're not in His will, repent. How fast can He put you back on His will? Supernaturally fast. And if you're sowing in every season, you're demonstrating trust to Him. Amen. Say it with me. I trust God. 
Say it, I trust God. I, I could sit here and tell you stories all day long about how trusting God in the material realm has led to one victory after another, after another, after another, after another. For us personally, for, for, for ministry, there was a day that uh, we wanted to put this building up, and of course there was nothing here but dirt and grass, and uh, we wanted to start by clearing the ground, prepping the ground, taking care of everything that we need to do with the foundation, buying the, the red iron that you, know, you can't see but holds this building up. And uh, the Lord just spoke to me and spoke to our leadership that we were going to send $1,000 to Tom Barnett's um, Dream Center in L.A. they were starting. How many other things that are important to God? <laughs> and uh, we just we prayed over it and sent it to them. About a week later, one of our elders was walking through a restaurant and saw this couple there and he kind of pulled on his sleeve and says, tell me, does the church really need to, to build? And he said, oh yeah, we need to build. And he said, I'm going to put the first $100,000 towards that building project. Yeah. The foundation and all the red iron because of that. Off of what? He said, oh, pastor, there's no connection between that $1,000 and $100,000. You're talking to the wrong person. I already know how God does what he does. Yeah. Now the how's up to him. Amen. The wind's up to him, and tenfold, thirty-sixty, hundredfold, that's also up to him. That's right. What's up to us is just making up our mind, I'm going to trust you. Yes. Yes. Some of you wonder, what's the next step for you to get to the next level in your walk with God? Just make a quality decision. I'm going to trust him. Come on, shout out, I trust God. I Say, I trust God I with my life. I trust God with my family. I trust God. With my money, I trust God. With my future, say it, I just trust Him. Come on, give Him a hand clap and thank Him for that.